Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for this episode. It's 226, and today we're diving into Let's Not Meet. Make sure you grab your tea and your popcorn for this week's episode of the best show on the internet, The RR Show. And make sure you hit that follow button because we're dropping episodes regularly and you want to know about it. So whether you'll be on Spotify or anywhere else, make sure you're following along. We are also dropping some banging YouTube videos, so make sure you head on over there and check out some of those because that content is not on the podcast. But hey, let's get ready with our first story from you slash you should have been aborted. The Smiling Stranger If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. When I was old enough to be home alone, but still at that young age, I lived in a court in a lower-end, middle-class neighborhood at the time. It was a small, developing small town right before the boom of city growth. A place with one grocery store in the middle of town. So a pretty quiet place where kids would play from sunrise to late in the dark of night with no real worries. To better explain, my court was a U-shape with like eight houses in it. Really one way in and one way out. I and my friends lived close across the street from each other right before the curve rounding of the U-court. We were both three houses away from the exit of it. It wasn't a crazy busy street by the exit or entrance of our court. We could play in the main street for hours and only run into people who lived in our court driving in. That's how dead the area around our court was to the public. No one came around unless to visit our court. No one really had a reason to be driving or walking by our court because there were better ways to the other homes around us off the main busy roads. Going past our court is going well out of your way to do so. I should also add my friend's parents were not friendly and hated people coming to their house, so we only ever went over to my house or played in the court, which is important later. It was Halloween, and I had decided to stay home and trick-or-treat my neighborhood with my friend, call Ashley, who lived across the street. It was late Halloween, and the kids had gone home hours ago. The streets were dead silent except for us. My family had left earlier to one of the rich neighborhoods to get the awesome chocolate bars with large king-size bars. After, they were going to hang out at a friend's house then be home late or spend the night wherever the night would take them. I didn't want to hang out with my younger siblings and their younger friends. I wanted to hang out 
with Ashley. So I asked to stay home alone. My mum agreed with the promise I would go in and lock the house up as soon as we went in. I agreed. It was close to 10 or 11 at night, so our night went great and it was dying down with her waiting for her parents to eventually call her in for bed. Ashley was chilling with me as we sat on the curb in front of my house talking, which being in that preteen stage was a common occurrence. When we noticed this middle-aged man walk past the end of our court looking round as he passed, he paused, noticing us. The man slowed down, stared at us for a bit as he walked. No big deal, but something was off. I can still remember what he looked like because I remember how odd seeing him was. We were in a small town. Everyone knew everyone. I did not recognize this man. He was a white average man, beer belly. It was dark, but I could make him out under the streetlights as he casually passed our court. He wasn't local. Ashley asked if I knew him as I shook my head no before we obviously went back to talking. Something about him made her start to keep an eye on the court entrance. He walked by again, Ashley would repeat when she noticed him walk by again and again and again. That guy wasn't dressed for a long walk or a jog, wearing a tan jacket, dark blue jeans and what looked like heavy work boots. I don't imagine going on a planned long walk with those. But we were dumb kids, we ignored these red flags. Till the fifth time, that we got a little freaked out. Hey, that guy passed again! Ashley frowned as I turned my back to the entrance of the court as I was talking to her. He wasn't walking anymore. Casually standing under the streetlight at the entrance of our court on the same side we were. Staring. I remember how awkward he seemed, shoving his hands into his pockets, trying to act casual. Except for the fact that he just kept staring at me. We got creeped out as he kept looking around at the empty street quickly and then back at me before he went back to walking past our court. Something inside me told me to leave. Again, he just looked creepy. He looked like a typical white suburban dad. It was his eyes. It was just staring at me. I'm creeped out. Let's go back inside before he comes back. I remember Ashley breathing before we got up. We tried our best to ignore our fear since he was gone again. I walked her across the street to her home. To add, I was like the friend that was like the mum. I always made sure they got home okay before myself. Yes. You most likely see where this is going. I walked her to her house across the street before I headed home myself. Everything was fine. I quickly ran across the street to my house, happy to get to freedom. I turned the knob on my front door, quickly trying to get into the safety of my home, when I felt the knob refused to turn. I remember holding my breath as I struggled to get the door open. That's when it dawned on me. I didn't have a house key. The door was never locked unless we were inside, sleeping. Now this was before cell phones. My family had accidentally locked me out with no way to get a hold of them. 
I panicked. I was locked outside with the creepy man walking around. I was scared. I moved away from the front door. I remember trying to calm myself down as I decided to go through the backyard to try our sliding glass door, which again shouldn't be locked. I walked down the path of my front door to walk around the front of my house to the side gate. That was my plan. I remember stopping with fear. I remember my air being knocked out of me. When I noticed the man was stopped in front of the end of our street once again. There was no way that he did a full lap around our court to end up back there. He must have just pretended to keep walking. His eyes lit up as he smiled at me when he noticed I was still out, raising his hand in a casual high before he started to walk towards me. His steps towards me were casual steps, like he was just taking a walk, but he was staring at me. I panicked at his movement towards me and bolted across the street to Ashley's house, abandoning all attempts to break into my house. I remember thinking that Ashley's house is the only one with signs of life and I needed an adult right now. I remember running as fast as I could, getting up the stone step walkway to the door. I pounded in panic, pushing the doorbell repeatedly. Ashley opened the door, confused by the panicked look on my face. I'm knocked out, Ashley, he's coming! I remember screaming, trying to push my way towards her, scared shitless. I, I have to ask my mum. Those words broke me as she quickly closed the door, most likely not realizing the fate she was leaving me to. I remember crying as the door slammed in my face. In a panic, I turned around to see where the man was, how close he had gotten to my back turned. He had resumed walking the court when I assumed the door was open now only a house and a half length away from me. The second I looked at him with the door closed, he stopped his casual walking. He instantly started to run towards me, a diagonal straight through the streets, beelining towards me. I remembered half turning to push the doorbell repeatedly, in what felt like a decade of fear. Until Ashley's door opened, her hand grabbed my arm and yanked me inside the door slamming the door quickly with a quick flick of her wrist and locking the lock. I was in tears as she gripped my arm. I remember how desperately we moved to the side window quickly to see him. I remember how mad he looked, and he stood inches from where I once was. He gave me a dirty look, his chest heaving slowly as he stepped back from my friend's porch. He shoved his hand into his pocket as he turned to face away from us and continued walking out of our court. I don't remember much after that. I remember breaking down crying as Ashley's mum came to my aid, realising this was serious. I remember the cops being called and having my statement given. I also remember I stayed with Ashley until my parents got home shortly after the cops left. Ashley's dad walked me home and explained everything. I remember my mum hugging me in a panic, kissing me and apologising that my younger eight-year-old brother must have locked the door when they left because he was paranoid of bad guys. I don't remember being home alone after that until we moved years later into a new town. I can still remember this day clearly. I still to this day can't figure out his intentions. Kidnapping? Worse? To this day, I still can't find a reason that sits well with me. I still to this day get paranoid at night, especially 
of smiling strangers. Our next story is from here for LNM. Dark House in the Woods. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the Plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I had a few scary encounters in my life. Not sure if that means that I'm old or just a creep magnet, but this one still creeps me out. In the early 80s, when I was eight, my family was visiting my uncle who lived in Backwoods, Missouri. He lived on a lot of land, and the only other people who really even lived on the street were relatives, so no one else ever just happened to be out there. This meant no one ever locked their doors, because random family members were always coming by for this or that. One night while we were there, my parents and aunt and uncle decided to go to a nearby town to go bowling, because bowling. My brothers, who were 11 and 12, my female cousins at 6 and 14, and I, I'm female, stayed home. It was still daylight when the adults left, but it started raining pretty hard and got dark pretty quickly. We used to play this game that was essentially hide and seek in the dark house, but we cleverly called it Vampire. There was a thin little mattress on the living room floor that some of the kids would sleep on at night, so the person who was it would lie on the mattress and fold it over themselves like a coffin and count down to midnight. When they got to midnight, they went looking for you. Again, all of the lights off, and you tried to make it back to the coffin before you got caught. Now, because the house is in the country, it was pitch black at night. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. What this meant for the game was that one, you couldn't tell where the vampire was looking, so you just had to make a break for it, and two, if you were extremely lazy, and I'm sure by now you can guess which one of us met those standards, you could hide in the living room with the coffin and get to base pretty quickly. Ben, my 11-year-old brother, was it and was doing the normal countdown. I was hiding maybe six feet from him. As he's counting, there's a flash of lightning. I don't know if I was already looking at the living room window or if the lightning made me look, but with the backlight of the lightning, I see this man with his face against the window. He had his hands on each side of his face as if he's trying to peer in and looks exactly like the stereotypical creepster, heavy set, scraggly beard, etc. I could feel every hair on my body standing on end. Immediately, I began trying to convince myself that I didn't see what I saw. But then Ben sternly whispered, If anyone's hiding in here, stay still. 
I sort of croaked out, I'm here, right as there was another flash of lightning. Creepster was still there, but was no longer trying to look in the window. Instead, he was now looking towards the front door. Ben was the same distance, but there was a couch between him and the door. Ben leapt over the couch and locked the door right as Creepster started trying the handle. At this point, I guess Ben decided that it was best to let Creepster know that people were home and that we knew he was there, because he flipped on the porch light and then started turning on the lights all over the house. This is going to sound weird, but I was too terrified to panic. Having said that, I was relying completely on Ben to know and tell me what to do. He told me to go lock the other doors and was yelling for everyone else to come out and to lock all of the windows. Honestly, the next few minutes are a haze in my mind. I remember everything up until this point extremely clearly. Then I remember the end very clearly, but I am less clear about the middle. I know that I locked the side door and then the sliding glass door on the back of the house. When we've talked about it over the years, some people remember us seeing him out the back door as well. I don't think I remember that. What I clearly recall is locking the sliding glass door and standing there, frozen, hearing Ben in a very calm but firm voice say, Close the curtain. Listen to me, okay? Close the curtain. So I did. Ben can't remember that part, and I just remember my fear in Ben's voice, so I'm not sure if I saw Creepster in the backyard or not. We tried to call the police, but my aunt and uncle had a stupid party line and it wouldn't work, whether from the storm or from a neighbor leaving it off the hook or whatever. For the record, they are the only people I've ever known with a party line, so this wasn't normal to me either. But for those of you who don't know what that is, in really rural areas, multiple people on the street would actually share a phone line. It would have different rings for different households, but you could pick up the phone and listen to your neighbor's conversations. We also tried to summon help on my uncle's CB, but couldn't reach anyone. My uncle was a hunter, so he had a gun rack full of rifles in his room, but my older cousin was on an out-of-town hunting trip and took them with him. All we could find was a BB gun that looked like a real rifle. I vividly remember Ben putting me on phone duty and Scott, my older brother, on CB duty, while he stood watch at the little square window at the front door with the BB gun. Maybe 30 minutes later, Ben said, He's back! He's coming up the driveway! The rest of us froze in fear, but Ben opened the front door and stepped out on the porch, pointed the gun and said, You get out of here right now! Then we hear our cousin Carl, who lived down the road a bit, say, You know that's a BB gun, right? Even though Carl was only 15, I remember we felt like we'd been saved when he showed up. Kyle seemed really skeptical of our story. Like we were playing a trick on him, even though we had no idea that he was coming. But he stayed with us until our parents came home. Honestly, I don't remember if we even told our parents what happened when they got home. There was definitely no police involvement though. We just went on with our trip. But we never played vampire again, without some mention of that night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.